Pixel Sift is proudly supported by the Murdoch University School of Arts. Have you ever thought to yourself, I'd really love how to learn how to make something creative like a game or YouTube channel or report on the news? Well, you should take a look at what's an offer at Murdoch University. They'll give you the skills to hit the awesome creative goals you're aiming for. Keen to learn more? Have a look at murdoch.edu forward slash arts to find out what they've got an offer. That's murdoch.edu forward slash arts, or you can search Murdoch University for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts, proudly supporting Pixel Sift. Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift, the show dedicated to indie games from around Australia and the world. My name is Daniel, hosting for the first time, and joining me tonight is my co-host Gianni. How are you today? I am going very, very well. I hope you're having a, a good week. You've had some good games recovered uh, from... Well, we, we didn't go to PAX, actually. Did we recover, Daniel? Um, no, we didn't. We, we just recovered from the social media posts that we did, but we didn't do the actual yeah. travel. So, yeah. So, We've got some fantastic guests on the program tonight, haven't we? Definitely. Our guests tonight are Mohammed Hanif bin Ghazali and Tan Kang Soon from Singapore's Joystake Studios. Welcome, guys, and thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and so thanks late- for inviting us. Yeah. Yeah. Later in the show, we'll be hearing more about their latest game, Songbird Studios. But first off, Gianni... Uh, Songbird else- Symphonies. Songbird, Songbird Symphonies. Symphony. My apologies. But first off, Gianni, uh, what else are we going to take a look at? Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about the Game Developers Conference. You might have seen, if you've been online in the last couple of days or even the last week or so, that a lot of people are starting to say that it's too expensive to go along, especially if you live uh, as far away as Singapore or Australia. It's very expensive to get there. Um, And it's uh, people are starting to look for alternatives uh, about what they can do to develop their careers. So we'll be talking all about that. Perfect. All right, let's get started. Did you know PixelSiv is available on other platforms? You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, YouTube, and on the PixelSiv website. Now, the Game Developers Conference, or GDC, as it's known, runs in San Francisco each year. It's one of the biggest events for the games industry around the world. But for a long time now, there has been a conversation um, about how much it costs to get to the US for this convention, then how much it costs to go along, um, and also some factors about being safe as well, because some people uh, don't like the fact that it's in America. It's not as easy to get there as it was uh, for um, people from Europe and if you're from other countries outside of that. And it's it raised that question as to whether or not it's the best place uh, for game developers to be going to develop their skills. Now, Kangsoon and Hanif, I'm curious, uh, have you been to GDC before? Uh, I did, yeah, that, but that was in uh, 2015, so four years ago, yeah. And did you enjoy the experience? Was it valuable for you to go along? Uh, yeah, it, it was amazing. So I actually, that was actually my first time uh, in uh, GDC. That's my first and only time uh, so far. and also, First time in the US as well. Yeah, first time in the US as well. Yeah, it was quite an eye-opening experience going like to the other end of the, end of the globe. <laughs> so there were some numbers that were posted um, uh, recently uh, by Jenny 
uh, Shayla on Twitter, and she's a developer, uh, a lead game designer at ArenaNet, which is obviously a very big company, makes a, a lot of games. Um, but they were saying that some of these tickets are, you know, uh, on-site costs are $2,499 US um, to go along, or, or even if you just wanted to get, uh, uh, you know, just access to the, the the talks that they have, online talks, they were $800 US just to go along. So people have started to say it's too expensive. What do you think about that? Was it Would it be too expensive for you to go uh, again, to go back to GDC? Uh, yeah, it's definitely really expensive. Uh, even during, uh, like how I got into GDC, uh, got to visit GDC four years ago is because I was um, I was an intern in a software engineering company and then uh, they were trying to do some uh, they, they were trying to get uh, some uh, game developers into their network so uh, and they had like a spare ticket and so I got uh, I managed to get the spare ticket from them and that's how I got in uh, for free but if not as a by myself as a student I wouldn't be able to afford now, even right now as a time game developer uh, i won't i wouldn't be able to afford go to gdc again yeah i think those prices are like meant it, it seems to me as if they're meant to be like you're supposed to go there as a part as a representative of a company that is supposed to sponsor you prices, right? events, yeah. yeah i guess as uh develop like developers in a small smaller studios that that yeah, it's it's it doesn't seem like it's meant yeah, for go, those kind of going not with for the numbers. Indies. Yeah, yeah, go, going with the numbers that uh were stated. Uh, I mean that kind of uh price for the ticket that's about uh more that that's that's around a uh, one month's worth of full time salary. Uh, for like a typical like Singapore software engineer. Yeah, that's a lot of money. There's just a lot the of money. ticket, right? Yeah, not mm-hmm. even the like flight and the. Accommodation, travel, food, yeah. So do you think if you, well, would you be able to go, I guess is the question, if you if you could, would is it something you would save up to, to go along for? We would definitely have to save up um, and uh, assess, you know, whether it's really worth it. Because we have to look at uh, the alternatives, mm-hmm. and I think there are valid alternatives to GDC that can actually help us fulfill the same objectives. Right, of uh, marketing the game or to look for uh, partners in the industry. Of course, it wouldn't be the, the same scale of GDC, but you know, uh, for, the, for the price, it's worth it. Yeah. What were some of the alternatives that you think might be a, a better option or maybe uh, better for someone who's in uh, Australia or Southeast Asia or, or anywhere else in the world? Yeah, so, so far we have traveled a lot in the uh, APEC region, so in a in uh, Asia, so we had went to uh, there's uh, the Busan Indie Connect Festival. So there's a lot of uh, Western indie developers as well as uh, some notable publishers who you will meet there. Like for example, uh, Nicalis and Devolvers are uh, consistently like the sponsors behind uh, the event itself. And we also went to places like uh, Taipei Game Show uh, in Taiwan. And uh, we haven't we ha- there's there's still another one. Uh, yeah, Bit Summit, but we haven't been there before. But I heard that there's a lot of Western developers who uh, visits. So if you want to get network with like Western developers or publishers, I think uh there are cheaper alternatives uh in the Asia region if you are from uh if, if, if you are from it, this part of the world. Region, yeah. yeah. And one more thing is like um because there's 
other benefits as well to GDC, right? Um, in terms of like conferences, right? Mm. Um, definitely. Um, and for those as well, there are alternatives. Uh, any of the conferences we mentioned earlier um, do also invite uh, uh, devs uh, from the Western region, not just the Asian region, um, but also um, I think recently uh, Rami Ismail right, uh, tried uh, Game Dev World, um, which um, completely online sort of conference. Yeah, 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 it was completely online, uh, and it was kind of eye opening as well because it had um, speakers from uh, regions which are like you know uncommon <laughs> uh uncommonly represented so it it, it it was quite interesting um like in singapore over here um we we had this like get together uh where um we 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 set up like a, uh with a projector mm. uh just just to you know uh live stream everything and kind of like a like a viewing party sort of thing yeah yeah and it was interesting to 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 watch uh conferences in all the languages like russian and um, whatever um, we we asked a few people daniel we've got a few answers from some people that we asked um developers uh about whether or not they thought that um whether gdc was out of their reach as developers if it was something too difficult for them to do yeah uh we've got maze over on the pixels of discord who says uh we definitely have it easier in australia with how many subsidies there are available from state government and industry uh, initiatives and our currency isn't as far from USD as many other countries are. Um, this also comes into the Film Victoria opening up the GDC 2020 Assist Program, which grants up to $2,000 and is available uh, for travel from Victoria to San Francisco to attend GDC. Um, also had a question on Twitch. And is there anything similar like that in Singapore uh, as far as um, the, the uh, Assist Program? Uh, we used to have... But uh, I think the government is, uh, Singapore government is pivoting to other areas in tech. So I don't think there is uh, more of uh, such offers, at least for us in the games industry. But then they still provide a lot of other forms of support in terms of uh, network and, uh, and uh, equipment and facilities. Uh, but with regards to going for uh, overseas, uh, sometimes there is, there's not much of a need for uh, sponsorships because... Uh, from the government because like for all the conventions that we went for that we mentioned earlier uh we only paid for the etiquettes most of the time in accommodations yeah uh and sometimes sometimes accommodations yeah sometimes accommodations but a lot of times uh, the ticket the booth and the accommodation itself is paid for by the event organizers yeah. like from busan and uh and Taipei, yeah. So this sort of uh, incentive, I guess, mm. for uh, indies, uh, they they yeah. tend to have this indie festivals, right, uh, and uh, award ceremonies and stuff. So if you submit your game and they like it and it gets nominated, then they do like provide a booth for you. Yeah. So you don't spend more than uh three hundred dollars per trip for two people. Yeah. Mm. Would you and like to one. see something like that happen for, for GDC as well? Maybe, you know, they have quite a big, uh, there's a number of sort of indie related events that are around GDC. Um, would that would that be helpful for, for getting across there? Uh, definitely. But the air ticket itself is, it's <laughs> uh, <laughs> still a problem. Yeah. The, yeah. The air ticket. yeah. yeah. I, I travel. Definitely be, oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. No, no. Uh, I mean, it would definitely be a, uh, a huge help, like a huge incentive. If, if the if just the ticket and the booth itself, 
kind of sponsored or subsidized. Yeah. You wouldn't say no if they said to you, here's a free <laughs> yeah. ticket. And- <laughs> Yeah, and, and Daniel, you went along as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. To, I, I went to GDC this year, uh, and I travelled with a friend. And um, she, so in WA, there's also another thing uh, called the International Access Pass, which is similar to what Film Victoria have implemented. Um, so it provides funding of up to five thousand dollars to support WA's working with games and interactive technology to build business networks and you know deals at major events and that uh, that sort of thing. Um, so I travelled along with her, and then the stuff for me, was out of my own pocket. And uh, that only really meant that as far as the different tiers of pricing for tickets goes, uh, I only got the expo floor, uh, the base, the baseline. Um, and I think that for the in- uh, sorry, the international access pass, I think she had the expo plus, which you could go to a bunch of extra talks and stuff like that um, and experience that. And so even at GDC, because the tickets, you know, going all the way up to two grand and, and beyond uh, for on-site, there's a lot of other opportunities around GDC. It's not just the conference itself. So there are like the parties that happen afterwards that other game members still go and uh, use that to network and stuff like that. Uh, so I think sometimes you have factor those in as well, but then sometimes they also have extra costs and it becomes a thing of, uh, for me personally, just because um, uh, I just graduated from university and I studied games art design. And so I was going from that kind of perspective rather than somebody that is working for a company that got sponsored to go along and pay the big sort of fees. So for me, my experience was generally pretty positive. I think I got a lot out of it to talk to a lot of the industry professionals to see what they wanted from portfolios and just to see what the climate is like for games um, going nowadays. Um, Would you go back though, Daniel? That's the question. Could you afford to go back? Probably not. I think not for a few years at least. And I think that for this trip in particular, I I got most of what I needed out of it uh, to not justify going again for a couple of years, you know, just because I feel like it'd probably be the same thing, um, just a little bit different. Uh, Yeah. We got a few more comments um, that came in from people on Twitter when we asked that question. Um, uh, Matt on Twitter said, uh, "For uh, we asked, is GDC out of your reach? And Matt says, definitely, yes. Cost is a big factor. And that cost does not match the benefit in Matt's opinion. But secondary to that, the political climate of the US and the state of San Francisco as a place to visit just makes it a bit unnerving uh, for experience outside of the conference because the talks are excellent and have plenty of friends in game development to catch up with at the event. But these days, most of them don't go along unless their work pays for it. And uh, Anza K on Twitter also said, um, I had to seek a travel grant or some sort to even consider going. Had a lot of help from friends who've either been to GDC or live in San Francisco to figure out where to stay and any advice for just traveling there. Um, but given that the fact that I'm a, a non-binary person, uh, it, it might even be uh, even more difficult for me uh, of how US's airport security works. And that's even more tri- uh, tricky for, for people who are transgender or anything like that as well. So it's a lot of factors there to consider about maybe whether or not GDC is the right place. But it sounds like there are alternatives around if you're, if you're keen to go along. Mm. Definitely. At the end of the day as well, it's not just the ticket cost, but for people like us who live all the way in Australia, there is also the added benefit of, uh, and Singapore is that the added Mm. thing of the emotional aspect of traveling such a long distance, long flights, getting everything. And there's all that to weigh up as well. Um, And especially time zone differences as well. Falling asleep during the conference, you know, and and that kind of thing. It's something to consider whether or not you travel a little bit earlier to get used to it or you just power through it, you know, and just uh, stay with it. I think stay in APAC. What do you reckon, guys? <laughs> um, all right. Shall we jump into the next part of the, the episode? All right. Let's go. Yeah, sure.
Hey there. If you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more, subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, or listen on pixelsift.com.au. See you there. So this evening, we're joined by Mohammed Hanif bin Ghazali and Tan Kang Soon from Joystake Studios. And they're both here to talk about their new game, Songbird Symphony. So thanks again for joining us, guys. Um, could you give us a summary a little bit about what Songford, a Songbird, Simmery, sorry, Songbird Symphony is all about? <laughs> it's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Songbird Symphony is a musical adventure game uh, that combines, I mean, it's, I'll, I'll say it's a musical-like, right? so it combines uh, repeat after me uh, rhythm gameplay mechanics as well as uh, platforming gameplay mechanics to tell, uh, to tell a story about uh, a lost chick, his name is Bert, uh, trying to find his parents and a place to belong. Yeah, And it's released on uh, Steam, PlayStation 4, and uh, Nintendo Switch. Mm. Yeah, It's got a very cute design and uh, one that I think a lot of uh, well, people of all ages can appreciate. Um, can you tell us about who is this game for? Who would you like to play it? Uh, so uh, we... At the start, we thought that you know our target audience are teenage girls because uh they probably like cute stuff you know birds, uh but it turns out that uh, that's not really the case, uh like young kids play it, and then more mature audiences play it as well because there's this uh nostalgic factor in in the aesthetic of the game, uh it having a very Disney esque uh vibe to it as well as the piece of art aesthetic. Uh, for myself, as I developed the game, uh, I, I, I really wanted to make the game for my girlfriend. Yeah, and, and maybe that hence that explains the intended target audience for the <laughs> for the game. Yeah. Did 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 anything change then? If you um were sort of picturing it uh, at maybe teenage girls might be the most interested in it. Um, did it change when you found out that young kids and and older people with sort of nostalgic feelings were playing the game? I wouldn't see yeah. much changed, right? Um. While we were developing the story, we kind of like we we there were a few things you know we decided that we were going to stick to like uh there being no um violence or no death or anything because you know it's 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 too cute. it's too cute we couldn't bring ourselves to add those kind of stuff so uh, but um we just kind of wanted to to kind of uh, uh embrace that whole like whole um, and um, heart main kind of um, aesthetic uh, that that people of all ages can appreciate um, and resonates with. Mm-hmm. So shifting over a little bit to the art style, um, which I find quite charming, and it's very super saturated sprites, you know, with bubbly animations. Um, how how did the art style? Uh, how was it developed, and where did the inspiration come from visually? Hmm. Well, I. Well, I I don't really know because um I I'm an artist and an animator for the game, and um. Uh, I just drew it in a way that is easy to animate, which means starting with simple shapes, and then circle is a very simple shape. Uh, you know when we go for animation courses or classes, uh, the first thing they teach is how to animate a bouncing ball. Right, so uh, everything starts with a ball. It's a it's a it's a round shape, and then I just draw more lines on on top of that circle. 
and it becomes it becomes a bird. <laughs> just just draw some wings and a beak, and then there you are. Yeah, and I think the bouncing also adds to the um, as like aesthetic as well because as a rhythm game uh, and uh, a musical, we we want like the the feeling of uh, rhythm and everything included. So the bouncing uh, is something that uh, we kind of um, used that uh, uh like bounce along to the background music and stuff just to make the players feel immersed that they are in musical world. yeah 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 could you guys what, talk what about- is sorry jenny i was just going to say what other things did you do i guess to capture music sort of visually as well because you mentioned that sort of bouncing along with the beat but i'm wondering are there any other aspects that you thought were really important to kind of capture that sound in an image yeah i think it's the 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 karaoke words at the bottom of the screen. So uh, during the uh, music or the song battle portions of the game, uh, as the birds are singing to one another, you can see that, uh, you can see the lyrics and the bouncing karaoke ball, as in the karaoke ball bouncing across the screen. So uh, there are no singing in the game because we don't have the budget to hire singers, but we want the players to be able to sing along uh, and to imagine the song playing their head. Yeah, so I think that is really very helpful in uh, making it feel like that you are watching a, a musical performance. Yeah. And as a composer, uh, I was a composer for I must like, admit that I, part of the reason why there are no like, uh, voice acting or no singing is also because you know, I kind of want people to sing themselves uh, and hopefully maybe someone records themselves singing and mm. shares it uh, but have it, you it, seen it, anyone streaming the game and singing along? Have Have you noticed yeah, them yeah. doing that? Yep. Yeah. Well, to different degrees of success. <laughs> 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 but uh, I kind of feel like you know by doing that, it, it kind of makes the experience more special to you because you know there's no well there is the correct way of singing, but <laughs> but you singing it doesn't it, it kind of makes it like your song as well as much as yeah. you know anybody. So yeah. some, some of the lyrics gets quite personal. Like there's one of them that says that uh, everyone wish to find a place to belong. And then uh, the players, players having to sing along to that lyrics or imagining uh, that song playing with their voice in it really brings a tear to some of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the feedback we've got. It's, it's like, it's like you're, you're absorbing lyrics while you're singing it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that, that wasn't intended. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a nice little bonus. Um, Adrobial on Twitch has just said, I've got to play this game. They're obviously really liking the look of what it is because um, <laughs> they're watching gameplay video right now. Oh, okay. We've also got another question from 643 on Twitch. Uh, what was it like combining the rhythm and platforming genres together? Oh, it's quite tricky. <laughs> were there, were there so, any challenges um, you had with, with that in particular? Yeah. So one of the things that, uh, we kind of chose to do um, in terms of you know how to say experimenting uh, in uh, like fusing these two things together uh, is uh, we have these platforms uh, moving platforms that you kind of have to sing as the character um, and the platforms will um, will play a, a short uh, pattern of notes that the uh, the character then has to repeat uh, and sing to. 
And uh, if they do it correctly, then you know the platform activates and moves accordingly. Um, so that itself was tricky because you know it's a mechanic that um, you don't really often see. So there's no benchmark build on to. Um, the tricky part was um, how to represent uh, the, the the players like correctly uh, singing the correct rhythm and how to actually show the visually because we found that um, there are two types of people who play rhythm games the people who are visual uh, gamers and people who like more audio so some will rely more on the audio cues but some will rely more on the visual cues and we have to um, we have to take both of those Mm. yeah Mm. I remember the first time I played it, I had a chance to play it very early on when you just started the game, I think, not that far after uh, leaving university. Um, and I just couldn't get the rhythm at all. I just, maybe, I think the music maybe wasn't in it at that point or, or it's very basic sort of music in it. And I remember just thinking, oh, geez, I feel so bad. I don't, I'm so bad at this rhythm game. Um, but then when I played the more recent version of it as well, it's interesting to see how, especially, I think it didn't quite have the karaoke bouncing ball in it at that point. Um, so getting those little rhythm and seeing it there made such a difference for me being able to actually keep in time. We had like really early demos like out uh, while we were still developing just to uh, build hype and stuff and uh, to to get ourselves known. Uh, um, So by doing that, we also managed to see the and um, try to fix it. Uh, so yeah, that's that, that's one of the things that we found basically catering for visual and also people because they can be thrown off like rhythm wise by a lot of things and you have to make sure that you, yeah yeah fail fast iterate fast I mean that's the usual <laughs> yeah. principle for engineering not just for <laughs> games yeah. Mm. Thanks for watching Pixel Sift. If you're just joining us on one of our live platforms, we're talking to Mohammed Hanif bin Ghazali and Tan Kang Soong about their game um, Songbed Symphony. So Gianni, would you like to answer, uh, ask any more questions? Yeah, I, I'm really curious. Um, the game's been out for a little while now. People have been able to play it. What's the most rewarding thing that anyone has said to you about the game? What is this thing that you go, this is the reason why we made this game? <laughs> it's... For me, it's just fun to see them like play it. Uh, I I love watching live streams and seeing the reactions. Um, it's also the I, I guess the message or, or yeah the overall message of the story mm. kind of res- resonates with uh, when you see someone lot. connecting with it and really sort yeah. of feeling that. How about you, Kangsin? Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, so it's watching my girlfriend play the game. So, uh, so how it works is that uh, every time she says she's playing the game, then I'll immediately like run to her room and watch her play it. So I watch her play it from start to finish, and then when she finished the game, then she 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 was staring at me, and then she was like, and she asked, "You really made this game for me." <laughs> and I say, yeah, this game is made for you. And then she just broke down and started crying. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was a really impactful because I think I have uh, I've done something good. Yeah. yeah. 
Il y a des stick symbols. Il y a des stick symbols. Tears that come. When you're writing it, especially like if you're writing and developing it for such a long period of time, you know, it, it kind of like wears you down a bit. Like the, mm. the special, the special, like what's so special about this game kind of gets lost on you. But seeing people, you know, seeing the genuine reactions from people. Yeah, it just takes you back. <laughs> mm, it's definitely a great boost to to keep motivated to continue developing it, so more people can experience the game. Yes, definitely. So it's out on a number of platforms now. You can play it on computer, or you can play it on your console on the Switch and on the PlayStation. Um, is the game finished? Are you happy with where it is at the moment? Um, there are some bugs <laughs> yeah. uh, that um, we're still handling. Well, not a lot of major bugs, probably one. Yeah. Um, um, but in terms of um, uh, Burp's story, the main character's story, uh, I'd say it's finished. Um, in like for the universe. Yeah. Who is Uncle P before he met Burp? Uh, and oh. what are the stories of our, of the other birds in the jungle? This is well, about we have, characters. <laughs> now we have uh, we have some ideas for it. So maybe the next game won't be about Burp but might still be in the Songbird universe featuring other birds. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? So you're inspired now to try and spin it off and have a whole bunch of different <laughs> stories. Yeah. There's no, like, concrete things yeah. yet, but, you know, it's in there. <laughs> yeah. And Kang Soon, will you be making that another one for your girlfriend or will you pick another family member maybe? Go, this <laughs> one's for my mom, this one's for my auntie, or... Well, maybe the next one would be for our kid. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but, but uh, that's gonna be a few years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, six forty three says the Songbird uh, cinematic universe uh, <laughs> to, to watch, um, and it looks like a lot of people are really excited about uh, Adrial uh, on uh, Twitch is really looking at it. Um, it's not sure about saying dabbing is awesome. Uh, whether, or not, <laughs> whether or not that's a good thing or not. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like they're very excited. Um, so if people want to play the game, um, they can head on to the uh, Steam uh, where they can buy it there. It's, they can pick it up on Play, uh, PlayStation 4 as well as on the Switch. And if you want to find out more information about it, you can head to joystake.com or the joystake on Twitter uh, to just find out more about it and give it a go. And there's a demo available as well if you want to play it as well. So. Uh, Kang Soon and Hanif, thank you so much for, for joining us and telling us a little bit about your game. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Yeah. All right, and thank you for joining us on episode 134 of Pixel Sift. This episode has been hosted by myself and Gianni, and thanks for joining me tonight, Gianni. Did a great job in the chair, Daniel. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. First time. All right. It's been pretty good. So Pixelsift is produced by Scott Quigg, Sarah Ireland, Fiona Bartholomeus, Mitch Lowe, and Gianni Di Giovanni is our executive producer. We wouldn't have been able to make 134 episodes of Pixelsift if we didn't have the support of Murdoch University. So go and check them out and tell them that we sent you. And if you're keen to learn more about a game, a great creative degree, head over to murdoch.edu forward slash arts. And as always, we'll be sticking links to topics we talked about in the show notes on our website. It's www.pixelsift.com.au. And we'd love for you to join us on Discord as well. We have a number of developers. Uh, You can join us there and and ask questions about the games that we talk about uh, and also talk about the games that you're playing. Maybe you're playing Overcooked or maybe you're playing something else fun uh, and you want someone to join with you. Yeah, come join us on there. That's pixelsift.com. 
www.discord.com.au forward slash discord. Um, and if you like what we do, can I ask you a favor? We need your help to share the show. So I want you to tell a friend. You can get on your brother's or sister's phones and subscribe them on their podcast player. Or just find someone else who might like video games and want to learn a little bit more about it. Um, and you can start their journey into podcasts because uh, we need you, your help to share the show. So if you could do that, we'd love you forever for it. And our next episode will be on the 14th of November. And if you join us this time next week on the 7th, it'll be Pixels of Plays where we play some of the indie games that feature on our show. That's all for this week. Thank you for joining us and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Bye. <laughs>